All right. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. Hebrews chapter 11. Bishop Mommy and Daddy are here. Give it, give it up for Bishop Mommy and Daddy. Bishop Mommy, her, her, her job, her official job is to wake us up. So y'all got to come to shift. 10 minutes to 11, come to shift. Whenever they're here, Bishop Mommy will be waking us up. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would speak to us mightily and clearly by the power of your word and spirit. Give us minds to understand, hearts to believe, and the will to respond to your word today, we pray. In Jesus' precious, holy, mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. All right. We're going somewhere today, but I need you to trek with me, okay? By faith, Moses, when he became of age. By faith, Moses... When he became of age, when he grew up a little bit, there was a level of faith that he had no access to in his infancy. He had to grow up a little bit before he discovered this level of faith. And when he became of age, he had access to faith that he did not have in his infancy. You see, sometimes our low level of faith simply has to do with our low level of maturity. You just need to grow up a little bit. So sometimes, instead of praying, God, give me more faith, or when I recognize that I have low faith, I've got little faith, I've I've got a low level of trust in God, the prayer is not give me more faith. The prayer is grow me up a little bit more. Show me how to mature a little bit more. And the key to maturity in Christ is very simple. They taught me everything that I needed to know about growing up in Christ when I was in Sunday school. See, they had this little song that we used to sing that said, Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Now, for those of you who didn't get it, the message of this song is simple. You see, it teaches that if you read your Bible... And pray every day, you'll grow, you'll grow, and you'll grow. You see, where Jesus said that if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, be lifted up and cast it into the sea. He did not mean that all you need is a little bit of faith to move a mountain. What do you do with the seed? You plant it in the ground, and then you water it, and you tend it. And then it grows. What Jesus was literally saying is that even if you've got a little bit of faith, that faith is a seed. Plant it in the ground and water it and watch it and steward it over a long period of time. And it will grow, grow, grow. 
But seeds of faith die because of inattention. Hold that thought. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused. The first thing that his mature faith enabled him to do was to refuse. One of the first signs of maturing faith is the power to refuse some stuff that you previously tolerated. To refuse some stuff that you previously winked at. To refuse some stuff that you previously just looked over. To refuse some stuff that you previously felt that you had no power to refuse. Sometimes the greatest sign of maturity is that you embrace and identify the power of refusal. The right of refusal. All of a sudden you wake up and say, wait a minute, I don't have to tolerate this anymore. Wait a minute, I don't have to live like this for another day. Faith gives me the power to refuse. Listen, somebody in this place right now needs to make a decision. You know what? The devil's not coming at me in that way anymore. I'm going to refuse. I'm going to learn how by faith to refuse some stuff. Come on, somebody. By faith, when Moses became of age, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused the identity that he had been given since he was a little kid. He woke up and realized faith taught him somehow in this instant that the identity that he had been given... Since he was little, he had been told, you are the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Faith gave him a revelation that that was not his identity. That that was not who he was. And maturity in his faith gave him the resolve to stand and say, I'm not going to be called by that anymore. Nobody's ever going to call me the son of Pharaoh's daughter again. First, he had to make the decision, I will not think of myself in that way anymore. But the second level was, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, meaning when somebody says, hey, there goes the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Nah, don't call me that. Nah, I refuse to be called the son. That's not who I am. She didn't carry me in her womb and give birth to me. I am not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That is not who I am. That's not my identity. That's the identity that you gave me. Listen, the world always wants to give you an identity. And if you hang out enough in the world, they will tell you who you are. But the mature faith, the person who is mature in their faith knows how to be, how to refuse. You know what the first thing the Babylonians did when they took the Israelites into captivity? The first thing they did was give them new names. What's your name? Hananiah? No, your name is Shadrach. What's your name? Azariah. Okay, your name is Meshach. What's your name? Uh, uh, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. No, your name is Abednego. Come here, Hananiah. No, come here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, 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 no. In my head, no, my name is not Toby. My name is Kunta. (laughs) Cut off my foot if you want to. My name is Kunta. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you got to cling to your God-given name even when the entire world is calling you something else. But you got to know your God-given name. You got to know who you are. Faith gave Moses the knowledge 
of his identity and the resolve to insist upon it. The knowledge of his identity, the resolve to insist upon it, and the conviction and courage to refuse to be known as anything else. Y'all ain't going to call me that anymore. Mm -mm. It's not who I am. But for Moses, it was more extreme than just y'all ain't going to call me that anymore. For Moses, the decision was not just I'm no longer going to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter because along with that decision came some dire consequences. Choosing rather to suffer affliction, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, meaning that when Moses made the decision, I'm not going to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter anymore, he was choosing in that instant to suffer affliction with the people of God. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Literally, Moses had the choice. In Egypt, you're famous. But if you reject that Egyptian identity, you're going to become of no reputation because in Israel, you're not famous. It's your choice, Moses. In Egypt, you're wealthy. But if you reject your Egyptian identity in Israel, you're poor. It's your choice, Moses. In Egypt, you walk in the room and all the girls fall all over themselves. Oh my God, it's Moses. Israelite women ain't falling all over you. It's your choice, Moses. In Egypt, you're successful. You have a platform. But in Israel, you have no platform. You're completely unsuccessful. In Egypt, you're popular. But in Israel, you're unpopular. You're a pariah. When he made the decision, I will no longer be known by this identity, he also simultaneously decided, I will no longer enjoy the benefits of this identity. When he made the decision to renounce the identity, he also renounced the benefits that came with the identity. I will no longer participate in these benefits, in these luxuries, and in the pleasures associated with that identity. Which is more than we can say for most believers. Because you ask the average believer, who are you? you? I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. Have you renounced all of the pleasures and all of the benefits that go with that identity? That previous identity? Well, I got to hold on to a few sins because you know I'm not perfect and you know God knows my heart. For us, it's far easier than Moses because what were you renouncing anyway? When you make a decision to come to Christ, you don't have to give up all your money. Moses had to give up all his money. When you make the decision to come to Christ, you don't have to put your life at risk. Moses put his life at risk. Moses had to renounce everything. So you and I would have been saying stuff like, God gave me this fame in Egypt. Right? Well, I just, you know, God, some reason God spared me from all the Egyptian, all the Israelites and made me famous in Egypt. I just want to use my Egyptian fame to glorify God somehow. 
we would come up with a whole theology to justify continuing to enjoy all of the pleasures that come with our identity in Egypt. We would embrace that identity, that Egyptian identity and find a way to Christianize it and sanctify it. And then we would, would teach a theology about how to be an Egyptian for Christ. See, I used to be a gangbanger. Now I'm banging for Jesus. I used to be a drug dealer. Now I'm slanging for the Lord. And isn't that the message of contemporary Christianity that whatever you were pre-Christ, just be that for Christ and it's all good. That coming to Christ sanctifies your old identity, doesn't require that you let anything go. And that is not the gospel. The gospel is if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Which is a devastating message. And for Moses, it was all the more devastating. And I don't think we stop to appreciate that Moses making the decision that he made when he made it was actually the turning point in the history of Israel. Everything depended on that decision that Moses made. Do you realize that if Moses had not made that decision, Israel would still be in bondage today? They never would have come out of Egypt. There never would have been a cloud by day and a fire by night. There never would have been a parting of the Red Sea. There never would have been the ten plagues. Israel would have never had the 40 years wandering in the wilderness. No entering into the promised land. Everything happened because Moses made a decision to forsake a false identity. And none of us know how important it is that we forsake our false identities. What is riding on your decision to surrender everything to Christ? How many generations are going to remain in bondage if you remain in bondage? And how many generations will get free if you make the fundamental decision Moses made? I don't care about the fame. I don't care about the wealth. I don't care about the benefits. I don't care about the luxuries. I don't care about the pleasures. All of it is a part of that false identity, that deception, that lie. And I'm laying it down. I'm letting it all go. Why? Because I'm mature in my faith now. I'm mature enough to refuse. Watch this. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than... To enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. This is part of the revelation. He looked at all of these pleasures and all of these benefits and all of these entitlements. And he got the revelation. These are passing pleasures. Yeah, they'll be good for a while, but then they'll leave me empty. See, this is the thing. When Satan comes to you with the false identity, he also comes with a whole a network of pleasures and benefits and luxuries. He says, listen, if you would simply bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of these pleasures and benefits. If you just believe who I tell you you are, I'll give you all of these pleasures and benefits. The same thing he did to Jesus. Bow down to worship me and I'll give you all the nations of the world. And like Moses, Jesus said no. And like Moses... God calls each and every one of us to say no. Look at verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. 
greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He looked at his people being persecuted and he said, being persecuted with the people of God is more valuable than being celebrated by the people of Egypt. Being persecuted for righteousness is more valuable than being celebrated for wickedness. Did you hear that? Being persecuted for righteousness has higher value, yields greater benefits, provides greater pleasure than being celebrated for wickedness. And the question is, what possessed Moses? Like, what facilitated that revelation for him? Where did that come from? What was the motivating factor that gave Moses that kind of resolve, that kind of discipline? And could you or I have made the choice that Moses made? I mean, I think about, you know, you and I might think about what we had to forsake in order to turn to Christ. And it's nothing compared to what Moses had to forsake. And we think about what trials we had to embrace in order to come to Christ because there's this whole idea that's being preached in contemporary Christianity that when you come to Christ, he takes away all your problems. And that that's the function of faith. And that's wrong. He doesn't take away all of your problems. Actually, in some measure, your problems increase. In in a certain sense, you have greater problems after coming to Christ. Before you came to Christ, you were swimming downstream. When you came to Christ, you had to turn around and swim upstream. You were walking in this broad way, Jesus said. Broad is the path that leads to destruction, and many there be that walk it, but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there be that walk it. You had to leave the broad path and take the narrow path. Where you had a bunch of friends around you, now you got to walk alone. What gave Moses the strength? Because he didn't have a church to come to. He didn't have other believers around him. He was alone in his generation. He was alone in his decision. And at the end of the day, every single one of us is alone in our decision. Because when you stand before Christ, your mama ain't going to be there. Your daddy ain't going to be there. Your brothers ain't going to be there. And if you're thinking, well, if my my mama hadn't done this, or if my auntie hadn't done this, or maybe if I had more friends, they ain't going to be there when you stand before God. What gave Moses the strength? And I'm glad you asked that question because the author of Hebrews says, I can't end this passage without giving you the answer to that question. For he looked to the reward. For he looked to the reward. For he looked to the reward. What gave him the strength to stand up and say no to all the benefits, luxuries, and pleasures that came with his life of sin was that he was looking to the reward. What gave him the strength to embrace the persecution and the affliction and the hardship that came with the decision to join the people of God was that he looked 
to the reward. What gave him the strength to turn his back on everything that was past, to turn his back on all of the rights and entitlements that came with his false identity was that he looked to the reward. And when he looked to the divine reward, he compared it to all of the benefits of sin and said, these are nothing compared to the divine reward. Which means that Moses believed with all of his heart that if I forsake all of this and fully give myself to to God, there is a divine reward. God will reward me. And most of us don't believe that. Earlier, In this chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11, remember this is Hebrews chapter 11, this is the hall of faith. But he starts out in verse 6 by saying, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then he tells us what it means to have the kind of faith that pleases God. For he who comes to God must believe two things. Number one, that he is. And number two, that he is a rewarder. Of those who diligently seek him. Literally the author of Hebrews says you cannot come to God if you don't believe in the reward. You cannot come to God if you don't believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. If you have a desire to pray but you can't pray. You can't come to God because you don't believe that he rewards those who seek him. I know you want to worship, but you can't worship. You know why? Because you don't believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You want to tithe, but you can't tithe. You know why? Because you don't believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You say, I wish I could get up early and seek God and pray. You know why you can't? Because you don't believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. When you stop believing in the reward, you lose the internal motivation that drives you to pursue him. And in the body of Christ, we have largely lost our confidence in two things. And it's why our faith is so tepid and low level and powerless and sterile and unfruitful. Number one, we've lost our confidence in the truth that there is a reward for righteousness. And number two, we've lost our confidence in the truth that there is a recompense for wickedness. And part of the reason why we've lost our confidence in those things is because we are evangelicals. I know that word has become a political term, and it is not. The word evangelical literally comes from the the Greek term euangelion, which means gospel. Evangelicals are anyone who believes... That faith in Jesus Christ by believing the gospel is what results in salvation for the individual. In other words, you're an evangelical if you believe that you must personally come to faith in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. If you believe that, you're an evangelical. And the New Testament doctrine of salvation by faith centers in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved... Through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So nobody who's saved can boast that God saved me as a reward for my good works. For by grace you have been saved. What is grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. 
What is grace? Unmerited favor. Something you don't deserve, but God gives it to you anyway. By grace you have been saved through faith. And what is faith? Faith are the empty hands that come before God to receive his grace. It's when God gives you the power to open your hands to his grace and say, God, I'm ready to receive your grace. That's what faith is. And he said, that not of yourselves. Faith is not of yourselves, meaning it comes from God. It's the gift of God, not of works. Even your faith is a gift of God, not of works. And so when you focus on Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, you focus on the principle that you don't earn anything from God. It's all by grace, through faith. Nothing is earned. And that leads us to the conclusion that there's no such thing as divine reward because none of us ever do anything to earn a divine reward from God. And so we lose our confidence in God the rewarder because we are overconfident in grace and we have a misunderstanding of how grace and faith work. How can I earn a reward from God when everything's by grace? Then I could boast. But the scripture says that no one should boast. So there's no divine reward. But now I can't come to God because I can't come to him unless I believe there's a reward for coming to him. So how do I understand the distinction between coming to God by grace through faith and divine reward? Well, the first thing that you have to understand is that Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 are talking about salvation. They're talking about how to get in. They're not talking about what you do once you're in. Follow me here. There's a difference between your sin and your sins. Jesus died for your sin. And then secondarily, your sins. But primarily, he died for your sin. What's the difference between sin and sins? When we're talking about sin... There is no distinction between a rapist and a person who steals a stick of gum. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Meaning, even whether you just stole a stick of gum and that's the only sin you committed in your life, or whether you raped and murdered, we all are under God's judgment and in need of his salvation. We all get saved the same way. God doesn't say, well, you only need to be saved a little bit because you only did some small sins. And you really need to get saved a lot because you did some big sins. He makes no distinction in the area of sin. However, when it comes to sins, he makes a distinction. He makes a distinction between the rapist and the stick of gun, gum stealer. When it comes to retribution, because Jesus says in Revelation chapter 12, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. And when he talks about the reward that is with him is the reward both for the righteous and the wicked. Paul says it like this for the wages of sin is death, meaning that when you are sinning, you're on the job, you clocked in. And you're earning a wage. You're getting like 25 deaths per hour. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like every hour, just earning a little more death. And then at the end, God comes to pay you your wages. He goes, here you go. You've earned this death. 
Congratulations, enjoy. Fire and brimstone, gnashing of teeth. We don't talk enough about hell. It's real. And you don't want to go there. But the biblical truth is that it wasn't created for you. It was created for Satan and his angels. And he loved us so much that he gave us a way of escape. The sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. Let's bring this back. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and following. First, he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, considered it not robbery to be equal to God, but he made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. He became obedient, even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Therefore is the language of reward. Because he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The whole point of that passage is Jesus humbled himself and received the reward of his suffering in his exaltation. And Paul says, you let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he says in verse 13 of the same chapter, Philippians 2, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. This brings together grace, faith, and reward. This verse right here. It is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Coming to faith in Jesus Christ, it's by grace, received by faith. But once you have come to faith in Jesus Christ by grace, received it by faith, now he will reward you according to, his wor- according to your works. But what works will he re- reward? He works in you to do what pleases him, and then you do what pleases him, And then he rewards you for doing what pleases him. Do you hear that? That means it's by even his, even the reward is by grace. He works in, it's like, he, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, imagine, you know, my daughter, she's like me. She has trouble cleaning her room. Okay. And here's, you know, sometimes you say, and we don't do it this way, but imagine, imagine if we did, we said, baby girl, uh, I'll give you a reward if you clean your room. You'll give me a reward if you clean my room? Yes. You clean your room, I'll give you a reward. Oh, man, I'm overwhelmed. And then she goes, then you go, no problem. Let's help you clean your room. (laughs) And my wife does this. Auntie does this. They go in, and they start helping her clean their room, her room. But in reality, when my wife says, I'm going to help you clean your room, you know what she really means is? I'm going to clean your room for you. (laughs) You just have to say yes. And then after your room is clean, now I'm going to give you a reward. It's grace. It's grace. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why? Because he realized this is not my identity. And then suddenly he got a revelation. There's a greater reward 
for renouncing this identity with all of its benefits, luxuries, and pleasures, and embracing this suffering, there's a greater reward. But why was he able to make that decision? Because God worked it in him. God revealed it in him. God showed it to him and God gave him the will to make the decision. And then God basically, listen, when God works in you to will and to do what pleases him, God is literally pleasing himself through you and then rewarding you for doing what pleases him. When he worked in you to do what pleased him, God is rewarding himself. He is a rewarder of those who diligently, yeah, can I have that water? He is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Thank you. Sorry, I went a little overboard there. Amen. Listen, this year God is calling you to step into the reward. But in order to step into the realm of reward, God has to break the disillusionment off of you. Because there are so many situations in your life where you did what was right and didn't receive a reward. There were situations in your life where you did what was right and you were punished on the other side of it. There were so many situations where you did what was right and it didn't feel like there was a reward at all. And that's exactly what Moses experienced, wasn't it? You know what? I'm not the son of Pharaoh's daughter anymore. I'm one of the children of Israel. And the author of Hebrews says that he thought that they would see God has called him to be our deliverer. He thought that the people of Israel would embrace him as the deliverer. Now that he's renounced Egypt, they told him to get lost. So what was the reward for his decision? He was rejected by Israel and Egypt. Sent out into the wilderness for 40 years. That's the reward for his obedience. And then God comes to him 40 years later and says, go back to Egypt, say, let my people go. And he argues with God, nah, 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 nah. You got the wrong one. I don't talk good anymore. You know, you had your chance 40 years ago, God. I was ready 40 years ago and you weren't ready. Now all of a sudden you show up. I'm 80 years old. You're talking about go back to Egypt. Please. I ain't going back to there. I'm done. And then God goes through the whole thing of, you know, take the staff, throw it down. It becomes a snake. Pick it up by the tail. You know, this whole thing. I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he goes, okay, now he obeys again, right? He obeys again. Okay. All right. I'm going back to Egypt. And I'm going to stand before Pharaoh. And one time I'm saying, God, thus says the Lord, let my people go. And Pharaoh's going to go, great idea. You all can go. But what was the reward for his obedience? Pharaoh said, nah, not letting y'all go. Matter of fact, I'm going to make it harder on you. Now Israel's mad at him. I thought you said God said that he was going to let us go. And now Moses runs back to God and goes, where's the reward? It didn't even happen the way you said. And God says, go tell him again. (laughs) Why would I tell him again? 
Moses' obedience was consistently and continually met with rejection and hardship, but yet he continued to obey. He continued to get up off the mat again and obey again. He continued to go back and believe in the reward again. This is the distinction between divine reward and demonic reward. Demonic rewards are instantaneous, but short-lived. Divine rewards tarry long, but endure forever. You need to write that down. You need to tweet that. You need to IG that. You need to Facebook that. You need to put that on your mirror at home. You need to tattoo that in your arm. Demonic rewards are instantaneous but short-lived, but divine rewards tarry long but endure forever. That's why we're still talking about Moses now. But had he held on to his fame in Egypt, he would have been forgotten in one generation. That's why we're still reading Moses now. But had he held on to his fame in Israel, he would have been forgotten in one generation. The reward that Moses received for being obedient to God endures. It continues to endure. Matter of fact, he and Elijah got to stand on the mountain and talk to Jesus at his transfiguration. You want to talk about divine reward. And disillusionment comes and the enemy is right there to lie to you. When divine rewards tarry long. I've been tithing the last 23 years. Why am I still broke? I've been faithfully attending church for the last 30 years. And my life is still broke, busted, and disgusted. Everything's still falling apart in my life. I still can't find a good job. You are never so disillusioned as a believer as when you obeyed and it doesn't turn out right. And the enemy is right there to whisper in your ear and say, there's no reward. There's no reward. There's no reward for righteousness. There's no reward for doing God's will. There's no reward for making the right decision. You might as well do whatever you feel like doing because there's no reward for righteousness and there's no recompense for wickedness. So you might as well do some wickedness. But I'm telling you today that the devil is a liar, that there is a reward for righteousness. There's a reward for righteousness. You know what happens when you recover your confidence that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him? You start to diligently seek him. Naturally, not out of obligation, not because you should because you're a Christian. Not because that's what a Christian's supposed to do. But because there's a reward. There's a reward There's a reward. If I can go back and tell all young people in high school who are walking with Jesus, there's a reward for your abstinence. There's a reward staying clean. There's a reward. And the enemy, I'll tell you, the enemy used to lie to me and take me back to high school where I had opportunities to compromise in that area. And the enemy would lie to me and say, there was no reward. Why didn't you just do it? No, the devil's a liar. There's a reward for righteousness. There's a reward for righteousness. And sometimes you're not even able to see how powerfully the Lord has rewarded you 
until years later in your life. And my father explains this better than anybody I've ever heard before. He was reading that passage there in Ephesians 3.16 and following where he says, And my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly and above all that you could ever ask or imagine according to the power that's already at work in you. And he said, I read that for years and said, Lord, you never did more than I could imagine. You You never did more than I could ask. Because I've asked for some stuff and you've always fallen short of what I've asked you for and fallen short of what I've imagined. He said, then I stopped and realized that all three of my sons are in ministry. I never even asked for that. That's more than I could have asked or imagined. (laughs) Then I realized I got the most beautiful and wonderful marriage and most beautiful and wonderful family. And there's no division between any of my children. I never asked for that. I couldn't have even imagined that. And then I realized how many grandchildren do you have? I got eight grandchildren. He said, I never asked for eight grandchildren. I couldn't have even imagined that. God has given me more than I ever asked or imagined. It's just what he imagined for me is greater than what I could have imagined for myself. Listen, if you are a wife or a husband in a marriage with a mean and unbelieving spouse, staying true to your faith in Jesus and continuing to love your spouse through it, there's a reward for that. There's a reward for that. You stay the course. If you've been praying for the salvation of a friend or family member for years and haven't seen anything change, let me tell you something. You keep praying. You know why? Because there's a reward for that. There's a reward for that. If God put it in your heart to be faithful in your giving, but yet you haven't seen the financial breakthrough that you need, let me tell you something. You continue to be faithful because there's a reward for that. There's a reward for that. Why? Because when God works in you to will and to do what pleases him, he rewards you for it. I'm telling you, there's a reward. But the reward is not linear. You know, a couple weeks ago when Bishop Kirby Clements was here and afterwards he came to my house and he and I sat and talked for about three hours. And that, that talk there was one of the most important talks in my life. I realized the week before that I had not fasted. I was journaling and the Lord said to me while I was journaling, you haven't fasted since 2020. And I said, oh, lo and behold, that's true. I didn't fast since 2020. And I used to fast multiple times a year. And, but I never decided to, I think I'm going to fast. It was always, I felt the spirit of God just grab me by the shirt and pull me. And I never knew in the beginning that I was fasting. And this happened in 2020. The last time it happened was I'm standing in the kitchen. I'm thinking about getting something to eat, but I felt the Holy Spirit just grab my shirt and pull me into the living room. And I turned on the worship on the TV and got on my knees. And I thought, oh, the Lord wants me to, and I just, I'm going to talk to God and I'm going to worship. It's probably going to be an hour. And the next thing I knew, the whole day had gone by and it was late at night. And then I went to sleep that night. I was like, that was great. That was awesome. And I woke up the next morning and he pulled me right back to the living room, right back to my knees. And I spent the whole day in prayer. And my wife finally said after a couple of days, you haven't eaten. Are you fasting? I said, I think so. (laughs) For how long? I don't know. He's drawing me. I just have to say yes to him. He said, seek my face. My heart has to say to him, your face, Lord, I will seek. And three or four days into the fast, I get a call from a young lady in our church, Grace. Her husband, Bobby, 
had fallen down and couldn't breathe. This was the beginning of COVID. And he was rushed to the hospital and intubated almost immediately. And he was in the ICU at the edge of his life. And here's what I thought. This is why God brought me into this fast. To pray Bobby through it. And so I set my heart and we all begin to pray as a congregation and seek God's face for Bobby. And do you know I laid there on my face in the, in the living room and cried out to God day after day after day. And I fasted for 38 days. And on the 38th day, Bobby died. I thought, how is this possible? Yeah. And I'm telling Bishop Kirby this story a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And while I'm telling him, I'm falling apart. I'm weeping and I'm wailing. And I said, you know what I felt like in that moment? I felt like God threw me in the lion's den. And the lions devoured me and tore me to pieces. And then God just left me there. That's why I haven't fasted since 2020. Because what happened at the end of that fast was I lost my confidence in the reward. There's no reward. You can fast for 40 days and the thing that you're crying out to God for still doesn't happen. And you know what? That's not the first time that happened to me. That happened to me again and again and again and again. I could tell you multiple stories about there was a a lady, a pastor's wife who came down with cancer and was told that she was stage four and had three weeks to live. And when I heard the news, I didn't even know the woman. But when I heard the news, I felt the Holy Spirit pull me into the literal closet and I fell on my face and cried out to God all day and all night. And for the next 21 days, I just prayed straight and went back and forth to the hospital and cried and went weeping in tears, praying for her healing and At the end of that 21 days, she died. God, how could you do that? There's no reward for seeking his face. That was the temptation. That was the lie. And you know what the Lord showed me through Bishop Kirby? That there was a level of presumption in my faith. See, there's a difference between faith and presumption. Presumption is when I presume to know what the reward is. Presumption is when I presume to know what the reward is. Number one, I presume to know why God was pulling me into the prayer closet. Oh, God is calling me here to pray for Bobby's healing. And therefore God will heal Bobby. That's presumption. That's not faith. And it was proved true at the end of it when Bobby went home to be with the Lord. Instead of stopping to say, God, why are you drawing me here? Bishop Kirby said, you have no idea what was happening in the atmosphere when you were seeking God's face and praying. You have no idea why God drew you into the secret place. And you have no idea what the reward is. But you must unindict God. God did not throw you in the lion's den. God did not kick you in the teeth. And I sat there and I wept because I realized... That my heart has not been open to seek the face of God again the way I sought him before. Simply because I lost confidence in the reward. And my heart began to cry out, God, restore my confidence in the reward. Restore my confidence in the reward. And this is what Bishop Kirby said to me. He said, Benjamin, you've told me all these stories. And I told him a bunch of stories. He said, in every one of those stories, you had the victory. 
You thought you were defeated, but you were not. You had the victory. Do you know why you had the victory? Because every time God drew you, you came. Every time God drew you, you came. Every time he said, seek my face, your heart said to him, your face, Lord, I will seek. That is victory. Obedience is its own victory. I thought my obedience would provide me with victory. I didn't realize that my obedience was the victory. I wish I could shield you from the catastrophes and the tragedies that will surely come in life. And as I'm looking around the room, I can see stories and faces of loss and of pain and of tragedy that has happened in families and it devastates me and it breaks my heart. I wish I could shield you and protect you from the tragedies, but I cannot. But what I can tell you is that through the tragedies, there is a God who continues to be a rewarder of those who diligently seek him through the tragedies, through the difficulties, through the trials and the tribulation. It continues to be true that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. He continues to be a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And this is why Moses was able to get up again. Every time he was knocked down to his face with disappointment, he was able to get up again. Every time, every time God disappointed him, he was able to get up again because somehow his faith was restored. But my God, I don't know how and I don't understand why. But the one thing I know, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Today, God wants to restore your confidence in the reward and if you're walking through a trial you can look to the reward and if you're walking through a tribulation you can look to the reward and if you're walking through a difficulty you can look to the reward and if you're walking through through devastation you can look to the reward and because you can look to the reward you can forsake Egypt you can refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter You can choose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. It went on to say, by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Hallelujah. For he endured as seeing him who was invisible. What can give you the eyes to see him who is invisible? Knowing that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is able to give you the eyes of faith to see him who was invisible. That even even when everyone was against him, Egypt was against him and Israel was against him. He endured as seeing him who was invisible and he looked to the reward. I'm telling you that even though I see nothing but devastation in the visible, in the invisible, I serve him who is invisible and there is a reward. There's a reward. There's a reward. Yeah, so beautiful. I look at my parents. Whenever I see my parents, I think, you know what? I'm part of your reward. My life is part of your reward. Amen. Amen. There's a reward. There's a reward. And listen, what happens when your confidence in the reward 
is restored. Your heart opens to hear him say, seek my face. See, you don't have to make yourself seek him. Your heart just has to be open enough to hear him say, seek my face. Seek my face. And if your heart is open to hear him say, seek my face, you'll hear him. It might be in the middle of the night that he wakes you up and says, seek my face. It might be early in the morning that he wakes you up and says, seek my face. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. I'll seek your face. I won't turn away because I know you're not the one who threw me in the lion's den. I'll seek your face because I know that there's a reward for righteousness. I'll say no to Egypt because I know that there's a recompense for wickedness. I will not choose the passing pleasures of sin. I'll suffer affliction with the people of God. It's of greater riches. The reproach of Christ is of greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you'd speak mightily to every heart and take these words and cause them to settle into every heart and every mind and every soul and every spirit and grant understanding that in addition to these words, release revelation. Lord, by and large, as a culture, contemporary Christianity, we've just lost our confidence in divine reward. We've been deceived into believing that there's no reward. There's no reward. God doesn't see. But Lord, I thank you that you see, that you hear, and you do not forget. You are not unjust, and you don't forget our faithfulness and our sacrifice. You are not unjust, and you do not forget our faithfulness and our sacrifice. Father, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds, and reconnect us, reconnect us. Lord, there's some in this place right now that you're calling to a place of sacrifice that we've been resisting, and we've been resisting it simply because we had no confidence in your reward. But you said, behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. Jesus, you said that when we pray, we should not be like the hypocrites who'd like to stand on the corner and blow trumpets. But you said when we pray, we should go into our closet, our secret place, and pray to our Father who is in secret. And you said, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You said that there's a reward for our prayers. You said when we fast, don't put ashes on our head to appear before men to be fasting but instead you said when you fast anoint your head with oil so that nobody can tell you're fasting and the father who sees you in secret will reward you openly you said there's a reward for fasting and you said when we give that we shouldn't be like the hypocrites who blow trumpets and announce it but instead we should give secretly so that our father who sees in the secret place can reward us 
openly. You said there's a reward for our giving. There's a reward. 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 You said through the Apostle Paul that we should not become weary in well-doing. For if we do not lose heart, you said, we shall reap a harvest in due time. And you said, he who sows is one and he who waters is one and they will both receive their reward at the proper time. There's a reward for faithfulness. There's a reward for righteousness. This is why righteousness is such a beautiful thing because there's a reward. Every sacrifice, there's a reward. You don't forget. You don't forget. You don't forget. You are the greatest accountant who ever lived. You don't forget. You don't forget the faithfulness of your people. You don't forget the prayers of your people. You don't forget. Father, restore our confidence and the divine reward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just talk to him for a minute. I just sense the spirit of God in this place restoring. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, respond to God right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're restoring our confidence in you. You're restoring our expectation. There's a reward. There's a reward. There's a reward. There's a reward. And now we can come to you, Father, because we believe that there's a reward. We will no longer look back on our sacrifices and say there was no reward. No, we will look to the reward. It's still coming. For some of you, it's still coming. Don't give up your confidence. It will be greatly rewarded. Don't give up your confidence. It will be greatly rewarded. It will be greatly rewarded. Don't stop believing. Don't stop trusting. Some of you are giving up just before the reward comes. Giving up just become, just before the reward comes. Just hold on. Just hold on. His reward is coming. He said, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. My reward is with me. He hasn't forgotten. He hasn't forgotten. He will not forget. He's not unjust. He's not unjust. He sees you. He sees you. He sees you. He sees you. Father, thank you that this truth, that this revelation is settling into every heart. God, the rewarder. We're going to know God, the rewarder this year. We're going to know God, the rewarder this year. We're going to know God, the rewarder. Hallelujah. It's who you are. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We're going to know you to be the rewarder. And thank you, Father, that right in the center of our brain, you put something called the reward center. And you put the reward center in the center of our brain because it's designed to process divine rewards. But Lord, so many of us have determined long ago that the reward center of our brain would know only earthly rewards. But Father, today I pray that you would cause divine rewards to flood the reward center of every brain. The psalmist said, in his presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. 
you opened your hand and satisfied the desires of every living thing. Divine rewards, they're greater than demonic rewards. Divine rewards, they're enduring rewards. Divine rewards, we believe. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious, holy, mighty name. Amen and 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 amen. Do you get that? Stand to your feet. You don't need the altar call. You got it. Just, I just sense the truth settling into hearts and clicking into minds. You know the truth, and the truth is what sets you free. Lift your hands to the Lord. Mm. For I have touched the hem of his garment, and his blood has made me whole. Oh, it is Jesus. Oh, it is Jesus. Yes, it is. Yes, it is Jesus. It is Jesus. It is Jesus in my soul. In my soul. For I have touched. For I have touched the And his blood, and his blood made me whole, made me whole. Precious Father, I pray that you would dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you are the rewarder of those who diligently seek you yesterday. And you are the rewarder of those who diligently seek you today. And you will be the rewarder of those who diligently seek you forever. We rejoice in you today. And I speak your blessing over this gathering today. Each and every one under the sound of my voice. Strengthen and encourage. I pray it in Jesus' precious, holy, mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. But listen, we do have prayer warriors at this altar. And if you need prayer for anything, please feel free to come. Please feel free to come. Yes, God. But otherwise, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. May the joy of the Lord be your strength and may his favor be your shield. May his truth be your buckler. Hallelujah.